Hi, everyone. This is Gary Bean, welcoming you to the LL Research Podcast in the Now, episode number 16. LL Research is a nonprofit organization dedicated to freely sharing spiritually oriented information and fostering community. And towards this end, it has two websites the archive website, llresearch.org, and the community website, bringforth.org. During each episode, those of us at LL Research form a panel to consider questions from spiritual seekers. Our panel consists of Jim McCarty, husband to the late Carla Ruckert, scribe for the Raw Contact, and president of LL Research, along with Austin Bridges and myself, who are working hard to keep the mission of LL Research alive and well, each of us a devoted seeker and student of the Law of One. We intend this podcast to be a platform of discussion as we consider questions from spiritual seekers that often challenge us to articulate our own perspective. Our replies to these questions are not final and authoritative. Instead, they are generally subjective interpretations stemming from our own studies and life experiences. We always ask each who listens to exercise their own discernment and listen for their own resonance in determining what is true for them. If you would like to submit a question for this show, please do so. Our humble podcast relies on your questions. You may either send an email to contact at llresearch.org or go to www.llresearch.org slash podcast for further instructions. Again, I'm Gary, and we are embarking on a new episode of LL Research's weekly podcast, In the Now. Austin and Jim, are you guys there and ready to go? Indeed. Present. All right. That makes three of us. We will begin with our first question from Emil via email. I'll actually break this into two and save that very final uh, sentence for a quick follow-up. Emil writes, I have a question you might find interesting. It concerns the relationship of the personality shell to the self. We're told that each self is a totally unique expression of the creator, that the experiences we've had over the course of our existence makes it so. Yet the personality is often described as a chosen overlay for a particular lifetime and, of course, is not the same as one's true self. My question is how much, if any, of the personality is an accurate reflection of the self or since we're told that we all chose ultimately to experience all different races, body types and personality biases. Is the personality merely a momentary quick fix to experience needed balancing catalysts? So we'll stop there with Emil's great question. Jim, how about you? Well, he asks if the personality shell is any type of a clear representation of the self which chose it for the incarnation. And I would say it's not a clear representation at all because if it were a clear representation, then there wouldn't be the opportunity to learn that the uh, soul self really wants during the incarnation. So I think that the soul decides to take certain aspects of the greater self, of itself, and use them in the incarnation. But in order to find a certain path or lesson that can be learned, it needs to distort it or change it in a certain way so that the perceptions are not clear. And the entity, the personality shell during the incarnation then, has the necessity of looking at its own life or its patterns and its behaviors, if it's a conscious being, and that's the hope, and begin to unravel this, as Rock called, untangle the um, nature of the real personality, the real self, and make a journey back there. We're all making this journey uh, back to our real self, back to the unity of the Creator, back to the total 
unconditional love of the Creator, and the wisdom that sees all things as being one. But that can be a fairly long journey, and making that journey is really what we're here for, because that gives us a lot more opportunity to exercise our spiritual muscles and to go through the learning process of uh, successes and failures, as they're called. But, you know, a lot of people learn more from their failures than they learn from their successes, so failure is not a bad thing. It's just that we kind of look at it that way. So we, we go through these uh, correct apprehensions, incorrect apprehensions, our successes, our failures, and through going, going through all of that, we develop our spiritual muscle, which is what we're really wanting to do. We're wanting to increase the uh, mind, body, spirit totality, our beingness, our, our, our ability to learn, to grow, to uh, serve the Creator by making all the choices that it would make. Uh, you know, we have this unique personality shell here that is unlike anyone else's, so we can provide a service to the Creator that no one else can, and everybody can do that. So that's why I think we make certain choices of the soul self, the real self, and we distort them so that we can make these choices, make these uh, journeys and strengthen the muscle and and become uh, a balanced being once again after sending ourselves wildly out of balance during various incarnations and then bringing ourselves back into balance through other incarnations. It's It's a long and winding road. But it all leads home. Thanks so much, Jim. In reply to um, Mio's great question, this is one of those questions that really teaches me in the process of researching it because um, as is often the case, I don't really think I have anything to offer at first. And then I start digging in and find that the, there's um, – <clears throat> you open one door and it leads to the next and the next and suddenly you have an, uh, a reply at least, if not, not an answer. Uh, so – I started with 30.4 in the Law of One, and uh, Don is asking, Rob, is there any loss to the mind or spirit after this transition, which we call death, or any impairment of either because of the loss of this chemical body that we now have? Ra says, in your terms, there is a great loss of mind complex due to the fact that much of the activity of a mental nature of which you are aware during the experience of the incarnation, <clears throat> which is like Ra saying, the personality shell, is as much of a surface illusion as is the chemical body complex. So in speaking to Emile's question that seeks to know what exactly is the depth of the personality, how substantial is it, how real is it, judging by what Ra is saying, it's just as much a surface illusion as the body is. And then Ra goes on to say, in other terms, nothing whatever of importance is lost. The character, or shall we say, pure distillation of emotions and biases, or distortions and wisdoms, if you will, becoming obvious for the first time, shall we say. These pure emotions and wisdoms and bias-slash-distortions being, for the most part, either ignored or underestimated during physical life experience. So Ra just juxtaposes the depth of against the surface in that one answer and they say that the depth is underestimated or ignored or overlooked um but they point to what that depth might be what with the substantial character of self might be and they say pure emotions and wisdoms or biases and distortions and to come into contact with those i think requires quieting that surface illusion of mind down all that chatter and feeling what your deep um 
attitudes are and biases and um, your deep orientation to the world that you may not be able to clearly articulate into words but um, is there at the foundation of your being. So that's one thing to explore. And then um, I found a really uh, rich session from Quo dated April 20th, 1997. And I believe Austin and I both independently came upon this session. So I'm going to leave some out that I think Austin has in his reply um, and read a few more paragraphs for you. <clears throat> and I may just do some paraphrasing here to quicken the process. Uh, so Quo is describing that uh, in between incarnations, in terms of, um, I'm sorry, in between incarnations, the mind-body-spirit complex self is working in conjunction with the higher self and creating or crafting or constructing the um, the personality shell for the incarnation to come. And um, they, Quo says that um, within our culture, the feeling that the self is the personality shell kind of predominates. And yet within each seeker, there is that call to live beyond the personality and beyond the personal <clears throat> self. And so the personality shell is often undervalued and underappreciated by the spiritual seeker who sees the personality simply as part of an illusion that needs to be seen beyond. <clears throat> We feel that this is not an opinion which gives the appropriate amount of respect to the personality show. It is indeed, this is um, where uh, Jim was exploring in his reply, it is indeed full of error in that the characteristics of personality inevitably color and bias and prejudice the in-streaming sense data and cause the seeker to think and to express the self in biased and perfect ways. <clears throat> and imperfect ways. So this personality shall we construct automatically pre-biases information but it, it's designed to do just that we want to bias our experience to focus in on very certain very specific lessons and uh quo goes on to say that these characteristics of self provide the structure for learning within third density they present to the seeker carefully orchestrated choices that are subjectively oriented to offer the best opportunity for polarization of consciousness. And I just really like this sentence, so I'm going to read it. Uh, also in the session, there, they say, um, actually, I'll back up. Uh, As each finds herself becoming too intense or too this or too that, take the time to speak to the self tenderly and to say, I know that you are feeling foolish, but this is the folly that teaches. Therefore, abide in peace and allow the confusion to do its work. For from these concatenations of circumstances hitting that personality shell shall come the catalyst that gives to you, the seeker, all that you desire, the opportunity to intensify and accelerate the process of spiritual evolution within the spark of the creator that is your eternal and infinite self. Um, so, in short, to reply to Emile's question... Uh, yeah, it is. A, it, I see it as a construct. It's emotionally illusory. It, it, it focuses us in certain ways during the incarnation in order to learn. It's a, it's intentionally designed. Um, how much does it represent us? It de I guess that depends on how much you allow that personality shell to contact the deeper self. Uh, the personality shell could be very aloof from the deeper self and very... Um, 
unrepresentative of the person of the deeper self, but it could become more and more transparent to uh, the the true self within through doing spiritual work. Um, but considering Quo's thoughts, it helps to release any self judgment one may have about the personality to really see that your follies and faults and foibles are part of the design you wanted to err in these certain ways. I. That really began becoming apparent to me when um, talking with Jim about his own processes. Uh, Jim feels that, correct me if I'm wrong, Jim, that um, he pre-incarnatively designed his incarnation to become angry at Catalyst um, so that in, uh, that anger would help him to focus on specific lessons, uh, especially learning to love himself and to forgive himself. Um and I think I've reached the end of of uh, my reply. Actually, uh, Jim, was I right in saying in relaying your feelings about your anger? Uh, mostly, uh, yeah. It isn't something. It's not the uh, overriding catalyst. It's one of the catalysts, and I think the most important one for me in this incarnation is uh, using the anger at myself to learn to love myself. That's what the uh, all reverse programming under uh, Dr. Newton's uh, uh, regressive hypnosis when they go life between lives. And it happens a lot with people. They program exactly the opposite thing that they want to have happen so that it will draw its opposite. You remember in the balancing exercises, you look at things that drew you off your center each day when you're meditating in the evening, and then you make them just as big as you possibly can so that they will draw their opposite to you. And that's how we become balanced beings. So I think we do the same thing when we uh, plan our incarnations. We plan a lot of times the opposite thing to express itself first in the incarnation so that what we really want to come out of the incarnation will happen eventually after a lot of experience with the first uh, type of uh, distortion. A lot and a lot of repeats of the yeah, same catalyst. Yeah, yeah. Programming is a really interesting and telling word, too, because we, um, and the, uh, Ra uses that word quite frequently, we are literally programming ourselves with um, <clears throat> instructions. I, I don't know if that's the best synonym, but things that will, will take effect and operate on their own, so to speak. And our job um, is to become conscious of that programming and undertake the lessons that that programming is is attempting to teach us. And I guess as we do that, um, the programming transforms <clears throat> or continues to operate. I don't know. Well, um, at some point, there's a critical mass that's reached. Um, for me, this past summer, it was a critical mass was reached that night. I, I broke the monitor for the second time in a year. <laughs> you know, I, I thought to myself as I was going to bed, Oh man, you know, I just broke the monitor again. I really didn't want to do that. Now, what am I going to do about that? And then I, the thought came to me, you know, if I could accept myself right now at the lowest of my feelings and really love myself, I would have come somewhere. I really would have done something. And all of a sudden it happened. You know, uh, my heart opened up and the tears came and I knew that I was being transformed. So, I, and I don't know why it was then, why it wasn't before, you know, why do you know, there have been a, plenty of other opportunities <laughs> for me to feel bad and to want to uh, forgive myself. But, it, you know, it only took 68 years. <laughs> there it was. <laughs> yeah. Um, All in a computer monitor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, I think Austin and I can um, just 
to the extent that it's helpful to the listener, um, corroborate that and say that your transformation has been visible to those in proximity to you. And it's been um, quite an amazing thing to watch. <clears throat> For me too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, I see um, programming operating in myself as I repeat dumb decisions again and again um, or react in ways that I don't particularly desire. And uh, I think I'm a, a long way off from critical mass in um, those terms. But it's hopeful to know that if you intend to learn what's being presented to you, that you can reach that point where you do learn what you're intending to learn. And then you don't, like Ross says, the distortions fall away. You don't need to repeat them. Uh, Austin, how about you? Well, the talk of programming kind of leads into the next part of his question, or at least my response to the next part of his question. Um, Do you want me to go ahead and read that? Oh, yeah, yeah, please, by all means. Uh, Emil continued with his question and said, A further question could be, if harvest time comes and you've chosen a tough guy personality that in no way will be looking to serve others, how does that take away from the more positive lifetimes? Um, and so my response kind of incorporates this whole question, and I'll start it off with a, a paragraph from the session that Gary had referenced earlier that goes, The self is that chose the personality shell was not a self that hoped for a popularly lived or easily enjoyed incarnation. Rather, it was designed to make the incarnative self uncomfortable in this or that situation so that the self was caught on the hook of this or that characteristic of personality. You did not hope for an harmonious and pleasant existence. Rather, you hoped for the self to be able to confront, examine, and process those learnings about love and loving and being loved that you felt still needed more work. And in this regard and to this end, you artistically and creatively crafted the combination of strong points and weak points that would bring you again and again into face-to-face meetings with the self that hopes to choose ever more purely and deeply the love of the one infinite creator. So I think that our true self, our ultimate self, is the one infinite creator. Closest to that, I think that we are sparks of the infinite creator, a seeming portion of that infinity, But that is the first illusion, because as Ross says in session one, infinity cannot be many, for manyness is a finite concept. So perhaps we start as a spark of the creator, and it is in allowing the creator to experience itself through us via polarization that we accentuate the illusion of being a distinct and individual entity. And through this experience and accentuation, we are truly unique expressions. No two entities have the same experience, but at the most primal level, a level that not even Ra is fully aware of yet, the level of disillusion of the unified self with all that there is, there's really only one of us here. But at any point in between, when we start out as all that there is and the point where we end up as all that there is, we are unique expressions, gradually becoming more and more aware of what we truly are, which is the one infinite creator. The uniqueness of the path that makes each entity takes the uniqueness of the path that each entity takes in arriving at this realization. I messed that up there twice. (laughs) The uniqueness is the path 
that each entity takes in arriving at this realization. Yay. And in order, <laughs> in order to arrive at that realization, we choose to inform our experiences by accentuating certain distortions so that we may become more aware of ourselves and aware of the choice of love in the face of things that we and our illusion may not truly realize are imbued with love. And I think that that is uh, how we would examine the question of the tough guy personality that uh, how Emil phrases it is a tough guy personality that in no way will be looking to serve others. I think that that concept in itself is um, maybe unrealistic. How I understand it is if that somebody uh, does choose that kind of personality, it is not so that they can experience being a tough guy who will never want to serve others, but it is because it is from within the distortion of the tough guy that choosing love and choosing to serve others becomes a powerful and polarizing act. If a tough guy never makes the choice to serve others, then the personality may cause an imbalance in the overall violet ray balance of the individual, and perhaps they might not reach harvest. But in choosing the tough guy personality, the self which chooses the personality shell is hoping that the tough guy distortions will be examined and the choice made to turn to balance these distortions and to turn to love, like uh, you and Jim were talking about, and Jim with his uh, anger distortions that he brought into the incarnation. And if the personality is strong, then maybe it is a lifelong task of constantly examining the tough guy emotions, the desires and the motivations of that personality, balancing them, and then finding love from within them. Another way to put that might be is that our true self is love, and in choosing a tough guy personality that love is not innate within the personality, uh, we are basically going against that love, but we still feel the pull towards love. And so if a tough guy does not uh, turn towards that love, then there might be more work to do as the tough guy within other third density incarnations. So I think the ultimate point here is that it seems unrealistic to conceive of an incarnation where the self, where the self plans to never make a choice of polarization. The personality may seem like it is blocking the entity from seeking love and making the choice, but it is set up in that way because it's in choosing love, despite those distortions, that the truer self is balanced and realized. And that was my answer. It's incredible to think that the a, a sort of uh, fictional, fabricated self um, could be constructed to experience the incarnation and the illusion is so seemingly complete that, that the personality shell can go astray of the original programming or intentions and desires. For instance, um, I think of Ra's example of those two positively oriented wanderers who incarnated on their planet apparently and then they went um, negative. <laughs> Uh, they completely reversed their polarity and were quite surprised uh, upon um, realizing what they had done upon the cessation of their incarnations. Um, I also wanted to add uh, a take this discussion out of the abstract and make it a little bit more concrete by speaking to a, a personal example from my own life. There is a single individual I've met who I am aware of their past incarnation. At least I believe that's the case. And um, in comparing what I believe was their past incarnation with their former one, um, there seems little continuity 
between the two in terms of their personality structures. They seem like very different people. And um, if one were to analyze these two, uh, one might be a little puzzled as to how this current individual could have been this other individual in a past life. Um, for me, I am personally convinced because I can see the same soul looking through the eyes because there are photographs available of the former incarnation. Um, and the eyes speak without um, any rational analysis, just immediately and profoundly speak to me that there is the same soul shining um, behind those eyes. So I bring this example up because um, if my assertion is true, um, as this individual, him or herself, asserts, uh, (laughs) that they they are a reincarnation of somebody in the past. If that is indeed the case, it goes to show you that the personality structure is um, not enduring and uh, may not even be continuous and may focus on a completely different set of um, distortions from incarnation to incarnation such that they are two very seemingly different people. But underneath that personality, the soul is is one and the same. It's just that the soul um, in this incarnation and in the next incarnation is just learning different sets of lessons um, according to a, a personality that they constructed and programmed in a way. So that is my long answer. Austin and Jim, do you have any further thoughts? No, not me. Or not I. No, I, don't, I don't think so. <laughs> not me slash I. Um, uh, let's um, knock out Jeremy's question because it's a, it's a quick reply and uh, we'll call our show quits after that. <clears throat> so Jeremy writes via Bringforth, is there any significance to the hieroglyphics on the cover of the five Law of One books? Jim... I believe you may have an answer. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, Rob. <laughs> yeah. What is that significance? Oh, um, the first one is uh, Akhenaten's first name, which was Amon, which was a name that was in honor of one of many gods in the Egyptian pantheon of gods. And after he discovered the one god of the law of one, he changed his name to Aten, which is the second hieroglyph. And the third hieroglyph is his uh, queen, his wife, Nefertiti. And the fourth hieroglyph, they're not really sure if this is his brother or his cousin or his uncle, or, but anyway, it's a relative. It's Smenkara is the fourth one. I guess this was for, before Facebook and relatives can be confirmed yeah. that way. <laughs> I think that adequately answers that question. Uh, Austin, did you have anything to add to the cartouches question? Um, just, uh, if I correct Jim in remembering that they were added because the publisher wanted a bit more flash on the cover. Ah, that sounds familiar. <laughs> I, I heard that somewhere. Yeah. Um, so I don't, it's like that kind of reduces the actual significance they were just kind of put there, but they are at least references to something in the law of one. Yeah. We thought if we're going to have to put some cartouches or something flashy there, let's do something that has meaning. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> I think that wraps up our show. Uh, Jim, would you like to say anything to the listeners? Yeah, it's been a great time having you folks listening to us. We can feel every one of you out there. We love you all, and we hope that you have a good week. We hope you enjoy the show, and send us more questions. 
You've been listening to LL Research's weekly podcast, In the Now. If you've enjoyed the show, please visit our websites, llresearch.org and bringforth.org. Thanks so much for listening, and a special thank you to those who submitted questions. If you'd like to send us a question, please read the instructions on our page at www.llresearch.org slash podcast. New episodes are published to the archive website every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern. Have a wonderful week, and we'll talk with you then. 